Uh, it, it is good to be here, and I have a word for you, and I want you to receive it. Uh, the, our, there, there are series, and there, there is process, there is theme, and there is theme that we are in right now, and that is let the church rise, that God wants to do something great in the church at this time. We sometimes, at certain moments, think it's a good time for the church to take a break. Church never goes on vacation. Amen. Uh, so, so God is wanting to do great things. The church is not in a time of decrease. The church is in a time of increase. Spiritually, we have, there are those that have realized how far away they were from God during the season. Uh, there are some that still need to, need to rise up and come back. All right. But, but I, I'm telling you that there's an increase. Somebody shout increase, shout the word increase. Uh, you, you hear a lot of negative, uh, press. And one of the things, uh, that, uh, I love is that we don't just listen to the press. We listen to Jesus. Amen. We listen to his word and he is faithful. He is so faithful to his word. So uh, we move from that into, in order to be effective, we move from that into the understanding of armoring up, which became uh, a series. And we on purpose did not take it in order uh, sometimes you think you got to take that in order. Marshall, thank you for teaching us on the helmet of salvation last Sunday. Thank you, brother. I was here. I was here shouting amen. And while I'm saying that, wow, Wednesday night, Sydney Harrison brought some fire into the house. Sydney, thank you. Her first time in the pulpit. Great work. So, um, I want you to have a practical understanding of the shield of faith. And I, I, I want to put out some fires today, and I want to prepare you for some future fires. Yeah. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We passed out t-shirts this year, same spirit. We are one spirit, same church, amen? And, and, and as I studied the arm of the Lord, I was reminded again that we are the church of the Lord Jesus and these messages are personal, but they are corporate. You are not supposed to put on the armor alone. It is church armor. And if you, if you study the context of putting on armor, uh, specifically during this particular time, you didn't say, well, I'm going to go put my armor on. No, you had to have help to put the armor on. You have somebody to help you lift the, 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 the pieces of the armor into place, to help to put these things on. It, it is not that you need to put the armor on. The whole church needs to armor up. Preach that, Pastor Rick. We need to assist one another. We need to build one another up. And this is our consideration when we speak about the armor of the Lord. In our opening discussion of armor, we looked at Ephesians chapter 6 and 10, Read the first line there with me. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Yeah, I get quiet so I can hear you. Make sure you're doing that. Okay. Finally, my brethren. And then he goes on to say, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And I know that our worship team knows our theme, but Wow. Uh, Emory was singing that, and I really hadn't taken note of the opening tune that they were singing, but wow, uh, there it preached my message. And so 
But I want you to look at this. It says, finally, next two words, my brethren, okay? Uh, where my, where my, uh, where's my hermanos? Where's my brothers and sisters at? Okay, you understand that that term brethren is not talking to guys because everybody's real sensitive to these topics right now. There God goes, you know, again, busting on the ladies. No, it's, it's for all, okay? Come on, good Virginians. It's for all y'all, okay? It is, finally, my brethren... Be strong. My, he, did, he didn't say, finally, my brother. He said, brethren, we all have to take a stand together. We all have to know the truth. We all have to put on righteousness and peace. And so the inspiration is that we are the army of the Lord. We are the fellowship. We are the ecclesia. We are a community of faith. And, I, and I've, been, I've been reading this, and in my spirit, I'm hearing God wants us. He wants his church to rise up. He wants his church to move forward. He wants his church to be strong and mighty. He wants your home to be strong. He wants our witness strong. He wants the body of Christ to be unified, to be vigilant, to stand shoulder together, shoulder to shoulder, to rise up and move forward together. Anybody getting that? I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to you and you and you and you and you and you and you. I'm preaching to us together. And I know you may be ostracized, alienated, all by yourself and alone, but you are not alone. Come on, brethren. We are in this together. Shout armor up. I've been pastoring for a lot of years now, and I know the temptation. I, I get it, and I feel it. There is a unique struggle that we have right now of being like the world. And, and, and anybody love our nation? Do you have a good 4th of July? Anybody do that? I, I, I did. I, I love our nation. I, you know, some of the things that I love, I know they're kind of going out of style, but I love a good shopping mall. Anybody else love a good shopping mall? Somebody praise God for a good shopping mall. I'm so glad Lynn Haven Mall is still one that works, all right? I, I went to MacArthur once. It's a good place to take a walk. But shopping is kind of gone, all right? Uh, I love business. I like to see businesses thrive. I, I appreciate when the economy is doing well. Anybody else? You ought to pray for the economy. Sometimes, you know, uh, I, I love a great economy. I, love, I like Walmart. Anybody love Walmart? Somebody thank God for Walmart. I'm talking a lot about them today. I love JCPenney. Anybody love JCPenney? Some people don't. I love J.C. Penney. I, I didn't get to know him personally, but I like his business. But if I'm in a struggle, I don't call Macy's. If I'm in a struggle in my life, J.C. Walmart does not seem to be able to fix it. I uh, did some flying this past week. Delta is grateful for my patronage, but they really don't care about my life. If you worked, I'm not busting on you, okay? I'm just saying that's business. The enemy plays this with the church and tries to get us to walk in this door. Remember I said, I said something about struggling to be like the world. Some of us walk in this door like customers. And he wants pastors to become great entrepreneurs. So as a preacher... I'm tempted to pander to your preferences as if you're purchasing a word that fits your flesh. 
And you're just seeing if I have something that's your size that'll make you feel a little bit better about yourself. Putting on the armor of the Lord is not like, here's a cute idea. We should look at spiritual things as though they are armor. Listen, we're not playing here. It's armor, it's warfare, and we're in the army of the Lord. We are called to be overcomers, victorious, not petty, not bitter, not in and out and up and down. Not, well, I'm going to see if he has something pretty for me to wear today. No, I've come to give you a word from the Lord, and it's about armor, and it's about battle, and and it may sometimes feel a little uncomfortable and put a blister on your toe. I'm telling you, I'm not the manager of freedom. I'm your pastor. And I want to give you a word that will cause us to rise up and be the church of the living God. You might say, well, I don't like what he said. Good. Your flesh might have just been exposed. Preach, Pastor Ricky. Which brings me to our topic today, overcoming faith. Faith that overcomes. Overcoming faith. Above all, taking, read that with me. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked ones. And I like those first two words. Somebody say, above all. Okay, so all these other things. When he says, above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench how many fiery darts? So today I want us to take up the shield of faith together. But I want you to grasp this fundamentally. Somebody say fundamentals. Say it. Fundamentals. Fundamentals. Anybody like fundamentals? Anybody like that? I mean, you want to know, anybody ever Google to get something done? Anybody ever do that before? So uh, if, if you had a flat tire, is there anybody that knows how to change a, a flat tire? Okay. All right, some, you know, six people. All right. That's good. All right. So you need a, you need a couple of things. You need, you need a, uh, if I can get this out. Okay. You might need one of these. All right. Anybody know the proper name for this? What? Lug wrench. Somebody say lug wrench. They say that because you have to lug it around in the back. No, no, that's not true, is it? How many knew that this is a lug wrench? How many did not know that this was a lug wrench? Okay. So a lug wrench, it doesn't have to look like this. This one fits on different size. You know, the, the nuts that hold your tire, uh, your wheel on, uh, onto your car have to be removed. This is really cool because you put the one on, you put it right here and then you get leverage with this. You actually put your foot on it if you have to. Anybody ever done that? When you have a flat tire. Okay. So some, how many, some of you thought I know how to change a flat tire Call AAA. So one of the things you have to know Wait, what is this? Okay, you need a lug wrench. When do, you, when do you break the nuts? And I don't mean break them literally. When do you loosen them? When do you start to loosen them? Before you raise them with a jack. You raise the car up with a jack, okay? And you say, who's jack? That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, so, some of us are so lost. I'm talking about something. You have flat tires. One of the things you have to know is when you have a flat tire, Okay, when you hear the ba-boom, 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 that's not your sound system in your car going bad. The ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom is probably a flat tire. 
So when you have that, you should not stop in the middle of the road. You should pull over. I'm preaching good stuff right now. This is fundamental. A jack, a lug wrench, how to raise your car, how to loosen the lug nuts, how to remove the tire, making sure you have a spare in the first place so that you can put your spare tire on. Hopefully it's a normal size tire, but if it's one of those cheap uh, temporary tires, anybody seen those? Okay. They looks like somebody left their bicycle tire in your back, right? A donut. Yeah, they call them a donut, but they're not donuts, but they are donut tires, right? So these are fundamentals, and I'm talking through them, and you're saying, okay, pastor, get on to the message because we're not interested, but you're going to have a flat one day. I remember when I bought that little Jeep that I run around in, and uh, it wasn't long. I ran over something. I had a little flat and pulled over the side road and went in the back. I had never looked in the back to check on the spare. I, it was, the car was new, and they didn't have a spare. They had a can that you were supposed to... S- That's silliness, okay? I went and bought myself a spare tire. So, so this is fundamental. I'm, I'm caught here. Let me help you with some, some fundamentals. You're going to have a flat tire. You're going to be in spiritual battle. You need to know fundamentally how to overcome. You're trying to change your husband or your wife, or you've reached the conclusion that you need to change your gender. It won't fix anything because it's your faith that needs fixing. Sometimes we try to change the wrong thing. We don't know exactly what the problem is. I need my faith repaired. I need to get my shield up. Preach Pastor Rick. Funny story, during, during earlier days of my ministry, I became aware that when I was most productive, it also seemed that I had the most attack. And also, sometimes during those days, I learned that people love to have me for lunch. And I don't mean have me over to their house, okay? What's the main course? Pastor Rick. Not, not this congregation, all right? But, but it's not the real problem. The greater problem is if I regularly have myself for lunch. That's the greater problem. Anybody ever struggle with yourself, your own personality, or what you're doing in your life? So uh, still, uh, the act of self-destruction via my own personal attack in itself is a result of something else that is going on, which we see in Ephesians uh, chapter 16. He says, above all, take the shield of faith. Read this with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? Uh, honestly, when, what, what I want you to know is that Satan truly comes after us. And really, if you do a word study, dart probably for us is not a great word. You translate that word off an arrow uh, or missile or spear, Right? So, so when I say that, that, that the enemy would like to bring destruction to your life, I want you to also understand this. Satan could care less about your employment, your money, your car, your family, or your social media account. What he wants is for us, as the body of Christ, to be destroyed and rendered useless. So, hey, everything's going great in my life. But if you're doing nothing for the kingdom of God, you see what I'm saying? Anybody embracing what I'm teaching you right now? 
The enemy is after you to render you, use, render you useless in the kingdom. Let me teach you how this works. Perhaps you understand. Let me, let me give you some fundamentals regarding taking up the shield of faith so you won't be lost. Fundamental number one. Jesus, you have to know this. Jesus is building his church on enemy-occupied territory. Surprise. I know it's beautiful. I mean, Wow. The country is beautiful. Anybody go to the oceanfront lately? Anybody been down to the Narrows? Uh, just hang out there. I love to kayak at the Narrows. Anybody ever been out to Munden Point? Have you been there? Uh, some, so many beautiful sites. Chesapeake Bay. I don't know. I might go watch the sunset this, t- tonight. Just going out to Chesapeake Bay. Devin, you know I love that place. All right? We went out there on a rainy day so she could take our 40-year anniversary pictures, you know, and did a good job, by the way. You're, you're really good at that. Right? Right. That was a free commercial, all right? You're welcome. <laughs> but I want you to understand, as beautiful as God's creation is, we are on uh, territory that has been occupied by the enemy. This teaching in Matthew 16, you, you remember this, where Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Sometimes it says hell. He says this at Caesarea Philippi. At Caesarea Philippi is this place of incredible idolatry where he has sat down with his disciples, and there's actually a place there that was called gates of hell. And the idea of the belief system was that literally... Uh, demons actually were, were, were receiving their orders and coming out of this particular location. So Jesus goes to this, this place that is spiritually full of idolatry and a, and a belief system of the demonic. And he says, I'm not going to argue with you. That's what he's saying. He's saying, guys, I want you to know that you're dealing with some great struggles. Now, you got to get this, all right? I, you know, I, 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 you have to understand We live on a battlefield. We live on a spiritual battlefield. Just because you had a good day does not necessarily mean that you won. Because sometimes your flesh is incredibly full of itself. And as long as my flesh is happy, as long as I got some pretty clothes and my car's running. But but spiritually, can I tell you? Uh, I remember uh, about a year or so ago, I was driving, trying to take a shortcut behind uh, uh, pl- uh, the, the shopping area over here off of Great Neck, and I, I went behind it rather than in front because the traffic was there. By the time I was finished, I was hearing a thump, the thump, the thump. It wasn't a flat tire. It was a big, giant screw that I'd run over, and I was hearing the click, 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 click as I drove. Anybody ever had that happen? By the time I got home, I realized I had not one, but two screws in a tire, and I couldn't do it all by myself. I, I, I was able to get one of them taken care of, but I needed some help with the other one. And here's, here's what I understood, that we are in the army of the Lord, and in this world, you're going to run over some stuff. I mean, there are beautiful things that we need to connect with. The earth is blessed in so many ways, but be aware, when it comes to spirituality, we are taking We are taking territory that the enemy has claimed as his own. Of course, you know, one of the morals of that story is if you drive a car, you're going to get a hole in your tire sooner or later. He wants to make our presence void and useless. He wants you to lose your grip on who you are in Jesus Christ. The enemy is against you. Am I preaching okay? There are people that don't like you. Okay? Did you receive that? 
There are people that don't like you, even though you're a good person. The devil is against you. You got to hear this. Some of you don't understand that there is spiritual battle that's going on. And you think of all the mess that's going on. Fundamentally, you are on a planet that the enemy has occupied. But we are victorious. Somebody shout amen. Amen. We're dealing with the evil forces, but the enemy is already defeated. The disciples realize that even the devils are subject to us through the name of Jesus. We just sang about that. Now, fundamental two, we are totally forgiven and set free by the cross of Jesus. Now, you might say these things don't make sense, but these are fundamental faith statements. Fundamental faith statement one, we are living on territory that the enemy has occupied. You have to get this or you will never see any reason to pick up your shield of faith. Secondly, you need to get this in order to raise your shield of faith. We are totally forgiven and set free by the cross of Jesus Christ. You might not understand what this is, but Romans 8, 23, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We always stop right there. All things work together for good. I use Romans 8, 28 regularly in my life, but you got to get the rest of the story. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. You are being conformed to the likeness of his son. Okay, I thought everything worked together for good. That meant I was going to get a new house. No, that's not what he said. He said everything works together for good because you are being conformed to the likeness of his son. You are being changed to be like Jesus. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And then he says, and those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And those are some really good words that we often ignore. Because all we need to know is all things work together for good. And my definition of good is what I hold on to. No, he says all things work together for my good. Your sinner's prayer might have left you without this powerful truth soaring in your life. We were, um, we were in California for the 4th of July. They're in a massive drought. You do not shoot off fireworks in California. I mean, it, it is so dry that there were state parks that have closed their path so people will not walk down the hiking path. We stopped at some to walk, but literally the waterfalls are not there. Okay? It's a dry country anyway. Sometimes I want to pray for California because I'm wondering, it kind of seems like they've been having one of those uh, Elisha droughts, waiting on people to come back to the Lord. Some people say, I don't see that, but anyway, I'll keep preaching. Okay, so listen, sometimes, sometimes we don't get the fireworks that we need because we're so dry. And sometimes our, our, even our sinner's prayer, you know, we, we pray, and I want us to do this, but there are some things that go along with us. Folks, I am totally forgiven and free by the cross of Jesus Christ. Fireworks, baby. Come on. Fireworks. I said, I am totally forgiven and set free by the cross of Jesus. You're not, you're not understanding the warfare yet. Stop acting like you got this. 
You need this fundamentally. I love Romans 8, 28, but sometimes we throw all things work together for good like it's a Frisbee around. All things work together, but some of you feel like all hell is breaking loose and an all-out assault on your mind, will, and emotions now, right now. What do I do? How do I stand secure when it's aimed at my do in chaos? Am I, anybody know what I'm saying right now? So keep reading in Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? All things work together for good. I'm getting attacked. What shall we say to these things? If God, read this with me, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Okay, so what am I telling you? We are totally what? We are totally forgiven. You forgot already. And set free by the cross of Jesus. Now, I want you to hear this because I'm telling you about how to raise your shield of faith. Why do I raise my shield of faith? I raise my shield of faith because the enemy is shooting fiery darts at my life to destroy me. What are the fiery darts that he is sending at me? Look at the questions. You see these questions. Who can be against us? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Who is he who condemns? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? These are kind of rhetorical questions, but they are, they are, they give us clarity to the, the, to major fiery darts that come against us and why we need a shield of faith. Okay. So here's fiery dart. Number one, God is against you. It's a fiery dart that the enemy speaks to you. God is after you. Can I tell you a lot of the things that are going on in your life? God did not send to you. Some of you mad at God, all upset with God. Listen, Satan is saying, God is not really for you. How can you believe he is for you when you see the things that are happening in the world and in your life? And then he uses your past. He uses your wounds. He uses your abandonment. He uses generational issues to remind you over and over. Don't talk to God because if God loved you, this wouldn't have happened and this wouldn't have happened and this wouldn't have happened. There are people that used to be sitting in these, in these seats. Well, maybe in the old burgundy ones. I don't know, but used to sit here and literally disappear because they were shot in the heart by God is against you. Didn't have a shield up. Fiery dart number two. Satan says, I have accusations that I will bring against you because of your sin. Satan argues, who can you say, what can you say in your defense? Nothing. Anybody have a past? Just me? Nobody else? Anybody ever sinned? Where are my sinners at in the house? Where are some people? I mean, some people who sinned good, who really messed up. Where are the people who have messed up? Where are you? Where are you who have messed up? So Satan here, let me tell you what Satan says. God, Satan is saying, what can you do about what you have done? And we all have sinned, and, those, and, and, and though God has removed them, we struggle with these accusations. Some of you have a trigger Somebody will say something, immediately you will think, if they only knew what I had done. 
Fiery dart number three. You think you are forgiven, but there is a day coming when you will be condemned. That's a dart. You, you only think you're forgiven. And fiery dart number four. What hope is there that you will have eternal life? Anybody, anybody ever struggle with Jesus coming back? And like, these are issues of faith. Now, there are many other darts that the enemy shoots. But these are fundamental darts, fundamental spears, fiery darts that Satan throws at you. So you need to grab your shield. Your shield needs to be covered in water, in living water, before these fiery darts come against you. And there's only one irrefutable answer to these questions, and it cannot be found in our circumstances. It lies in the provision that God made for us in Jesus Christ. This is the whole point of Paul's question in verse 32. We can be, be sure that God is for us. Come on. If God is for us, say it. If God is for us, who can be against us? Shout it. If God is for us, who can be against us? You still may not understand that. Because here's the truth. God, the God of the Bible, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ did not spare his own son, but gave his own son up to the cross for us all. If this is true, Paul affirms, we can be confident if God loved us so much. Here's the heart of the plan of God and the wonder of the gospel. The best of all men died as though he were the worst of all criminals. All of your sin was placed on Jesus. If God did that, if he gave his only son, if God is for us, who can be against us? He is insisting that we all learn to fundamentally think clearly and draw logical deduction from the gospel. God is pointing us to the cross. Come on, anybody, ever, anybody have a cross? Anybody have a cross? Here's a cross. Tim made me one. Okay, here's a cross. You need to cro get a cross. Look at it. Hold it in your hand. If, if, if I prepared to bear my own judgment... Against your sin through my own son, the father says, if I was prepared to do that for you, if I was going to send my own son to die for you, is there not anything, is there anything that I would not do in order to make sure that you are forgiven and you are set free? My grace is sufficient to clear everything out of the way. My hallelujah to Jesus. That's why Tim keeps giving out crosses. Somebody shout it. My God was willing to give his son for me. Shout it. My God was willing to give his son for me. So when the enemy comes after you with this fiery dart, how do you really know God loves you? The answer is not that you deserve to be loved. I deserve to be loved. No, you don't. The answer is not that. And it is not that things are going to go so well in my life that it's obvious that God loves me. How many know problems happen? Anybody know that? It is simply this. God proved that he loved me. He sent his son to the cross to die for me. This is fundamental. You got to get it. And his son's death removed judgment from my life. 
Who can be against us? That's why I love these statements. Who can be against us? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Who is he that condemns? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It is though Paul is saying, Satan, who do you think you are shooting that mess in my direction? I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm set free. Praise him with me, would you? Come on, praise God with me. Praise him with me. So you need to get this. I, I, want, I want you to get this application because you're living in the wounds of your past. You're living in the accusations of people who have made against you. You remember that story where Peter comes to Christ and rebukes Jesus and says, you got to stop talking like Jesus. And Jesus looks back at his bud. He looks back at Peter, who he loves, and he says, you, get behind me, Satan. You don't have the things of God in mind for me. You have the things of Satan in mind for me. Get behind me, Satan. There are people who are supposed to be encouraging you who will discourage you. I don't know who told you you were worthless. I don't told you know who told you or spoke to you that you could not be changed or set free or forgiven. But my God sent his only son in order to dive you to take all of your sins upon himself. You can be forgiven and watch clean. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to Jesus. Fundamental number three, finally. And you might say, Pastor, these things don't line up, but they do. They really do. We must continually build up one another. How, do you, how are we going to overcome it? Come on, Russell. You can't, you can't extinguish all that mess yourself. You need me in your life. You see that? You need me in your life. You need me. You need each other. Look at somebody nearby. I, tell them, I need you in my life. I need you. No, come on. I know it's embarrassing. Pastor, you're just being corny right now. I mean, no cheesy statements we make. I need you in my life. I just, uh, no. We need one another. It's part of the attack of the enemy right now is to separate us and divide us. Look. Verse 16, from him the whole body joined and held together. This is Ephesians 4, 16. Before we ever get to the armor of the Lord, we have this setup. And this is the setup. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I keep hearing this statement in our culture. We're in this together. And I really love the idea you know, that we're better together. But we have to embrace this fundamentally as the church. That some people use that as a slogan. We're in this together. But we are in this together. And we're going to be in this together eternally. Now, I don't know if you... Everybody, everybody has different personalities, right? So how many know we're all a little different? Okay. Uh, I'm going to tell you something you may already know about me. Okay, some people would describe me as an empath. I feel deeply. I don't just like say, okay, no. Okay, I will cry over you. Amen. Don't play with me. You'll have to hand me a hanky like I did Becca today, okay? <laughs> I am not good. And so, so when I leave, when I go to visit my kids, because I don't know when I'll see my kids again. So when I go and visit, when we fly out to California to see my kids, I don't know when I will see them again. Okay, I know that I will, but I don't know when. So uh, 
I'm not good at leaving my children in California and returning home. But I am so much better when I get home. You are my family. I remember once I was well out of town. I was in another country and had some crazy things that had happened. And I just needed, this is all that was in my heart. I just need to get back to church. (laughs) Anybody ever had that before? I just need to get back. I just need to get home. I just, I need to be in the fellowship of the body of the Lord Jesus. I need to, I told you at the beginning of the service, look at one another. Sometimes we just look over each other. Oh, yeah, they're here. Look at one another. Take note that we are in the house and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. I need you. You get this. You might, sometimes, you know, you appreciate me and bless me, but can I tell you, you have helped me. You have loved me. You have encouraged me. You have prayed for me. You have lifted me up. I've experienced some real hell in my own life. But I love your faces. And on occasion, we'll just bump into each other somewhere. And just that moment just lifts me up and encourages me. I want to tell you, I need you. I'm not the entrepreneur here. I'm not the manager of freedom. And you're not my customers. We're family. Don't just get up and leave and walk away and act like, well, I used to go there, but now I'm going to go here. Don't do that kind of mess. We're the body of Jesus. We need one another. I need you to encourage me. You need me to encourage you. You need that person on the road back there to be there for you. It's not my church. It's ours. Don't allow the enemy to separate us. Don't allow him to make you feel like a customer. We need one another. We need to encourage one another. Hebrews 10, I'm closing up here. Hebrews 10, verse 24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as some are in the manner, as is the manner of some. But exhorting one another and so much the more, read that last line, as you see the day approaching. I've just given you some fundamentals about how to raise your shield of faith. Really just want to go, you know, I want to re-preach all of that. But so Jesus is building the church on what? Territory that is occupied by the enemy, right? Am, Am I right about this? Everybody got that? Anybody take some notes? Okay. So this is fundamental. This is why you need the shield of faith. We are totally forgiven and set free by the cross of Jesus. Anybody totally forgiven and set free by the cross of Jesus? And and then you understand, finally, we must continually build one another up. You might say, well, Pastor, that doesn't sound very shield of faithy, you know. Some people just want enough faith to get a new house or a new car. Listen, I could name somebody who's got billions and billions of dollars who can't keep his marriage together. Right? Your money and your house and your car is not going to make you joyful. Might be nice. And we praise God it all belongs to him. We need, help me Jesus. We need one another. We need to defeat the enemy. Stand with me. 
I really have a kind of a double-ended altar service here. I didn't have my communion. Could we have communion? Let's, let's begin our altar time with communion this morning. Would you go ahead and you were given communion. Would you open it up? Get the bread in your hand and the cup in your hand. I love receiving communion. I love it so much. Praise God. So I want you to hold the bread up in your hand. Would you hold the bread up? Okay, now look around, and do you see somebody else holding bread? Do you see anybody else holding bread? Isn't that great? So the bread, Jesus said, now don't take it yet. Jesus said, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. Take it and remember me. Now listen, listen, before you take it, take it. Body of Christ. Do you see other people with the body of Christ? Do you see other people holding bread? Do you see this? So, same body. Everybody say it. Same body. If we're going to defeat the enemy, how are we going to defeat the enemy? Together. You will be persecuted. You will go through struggles. But you're not going to be alone. Cross of Jesus. The broken body of Jesus. Take the bread. Open your eyes. Notice that other people are with you. Father, we receive this gratefully. We bless this as we receive, but we receive this together in Christ. Receive the body. You see your family? Do you see other people that you're a part of right now? This is your family. Take the, take the cup. This is the, this, he said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant that is poured out for you. The blood of Jesus. How many are fully forgiven of their sins? I mean, totally forgiven of your sins. That your sins no longer have power over you. Somebody shout amen, all right? Because of the blood of Jesus. Don't let, listen, don't let Satan bring this. We're going to drink this. Don't let Satan bring this mess back up. All right? Take and receive it and remember me, Jesus said. Two things. One, I want my spirit life team to come and stand with me. So tired of people being separated and alone. Hey, good to see you back. Did you have a good trip to Ohio? Yay. Come on. Ready? Two things. Just bow your head. There are those in this room who, if spiritually we could see you right now, we would see arrows in your heart that are inflamed. We could actually see the smoke rising up. There are those of you in this room because the enemy has attacked you so heavily. Some of it has to do with the wounds of your past. Some of it has to do with things that the enemy has spoken to you, but it is still the fiery darts of the enemy. And I want you to know that God did not put that arrow in your heart. The enemy did. And you should not have to pull it out all by yourself. There's some of you that don't really haven't even surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus. This is your moment. This is your time. 
But there are those of you that are struggling. Those of you who have deep wounds within your heart. That the enemy has shot you. And you just are having a struggle getting over it. I want us to pray for you. I want you to receive ministry today from our Spirit Life team. They have prepared their hearts. They are ready to minister to you. They're not just going to put their hands on you. They want to listen to you and talk with you and share with you. But sometimes when you're wounded, it's almost impossible to get out of your seat. Because those wounds say, don't step out to the front. Here you go again. No, take a shot. Take a chance. And come with those arrows that have pierced your heart. Come with the wounds that you have. I want you to prepare in a moment to start walking to the front. In fact, you can, become, you can come anytime. You can start moving to the front anytime you want. Pastors, you're talking to me. Am I talking to anybody in this house? Am I talking to anybody in this house? Yeah. Go ahead. Start moving towards the front. Start moving towards the front. Bring your thoughts. I'll never be good enough. I'll never amount to anything. I won't be able to accomplish things for the kingdom of God. I'm, I have shame from my past. I have shame from, and, and it's things that the enemy has spoken into your life over and over. I'm tired of living this particular way. I need freedom in my life. Father, I thank you for those who are coming. And I pray, Father, also for those who have not confessed their lives, confessed you as their Lord. And so we pray together, Father, we believe in you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the cross. And we receive you as our Lord and Savior. We confess our sins. We repent. We turn from our sins. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would heal our hearts. Heal us, Father. We thank you for saving us. We thank you. As we defeat the enemy, now we raise our shield of faith together. And we praise you, Lord Jesus. And this is common. So here's the next thing you do. Just open your eyes all around the room if you're standing back there. And, and, and again, since the beginning of the service, I've been asking you this. Look around. Look around you. Notice that you're not in church by yourself. So in the past, I wouldn't do this, but I'm done with that. This is your time to pray one for another. If you need to share your story, if you just need to take a moment, I want you to find somebody nearby you. If you feel it acceptable to be able to hold their hand, hold their hand, or put your arm around one another, but I'd like to see people praying for one another all around the room, okay? We're back, freedom, okay? Find somebody nearby you. Go ahead. Look around the room. You said, Pastor, I don't like praying for other people. I know. That's another dart the enemy put in your heart. You ready? Before you are dismissed, I want you to find some people to get ready to pray with. Now listen to me. I'm going to release you in the name of the Lord Jesus. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. I'm dismissing this service, but I'm dismissing you to first of all minister to one another. Again, if you're new to freedom, I'd love to see you in the foyer. The worship team's going to sing for a few moments. May the Lord bless you. I love you all. Thanks for being at freedom. God bless you all. Still plenty of prayer workers up here.